Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura McGill, CEO of the Experience Agency, D-Flash. This is part of my 29 Days of Magic series, where I'm introducing 29 phenomenal Black women to the audience who are doing just game-changing things. And I am so excited to have Charlize Antoinette, who's an incredible costume designer, uh, on this show. We're going to have a great conversation about how she built her phenomenal career, some of the shows she's worked on, and what she's up to next. It's going to be a great conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Charlize. (laughs) Hey, thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so happy to have you on. Um, so, as you know, first question, always the same, always really interesting answers. I'm sure yours will be no different. So, Charlize, what was your first job? My first job as a costume designer um, was a film called Newlyweeds. I, um, I costume designed it in 2012, and... It was basically me and all my friends in Brooklyn making a movie out of uh, the row home we lived in. It was literally like the production house. And yeah, it was pretty dope. So the editor lived upstairs. The actor was sharing the floor with him. And the guy who lived in that side of the floor was the location scout. But he gave up his apartment so the actor could stay there. I lived on the second floor. And me and the director shared a, um, a floor. And that same director, Shaka King, um, just directed the Untitled Fred Hampton Project, which I just finished costume designing. So we went from doing like a $500,000 movie together to like a $30 billion. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my first job as a costume designer. My first job in the film industry, though, I was an unpaid intern. When People could still be unpaid interns. Um, it's no longer allowed because um, ah, the yeah. interns, yeah, the interns on um, Black Swan sued the production because they said they were helping to construct costumes and they should have got paid for that, um, which is super unfortunate because for someone like me who had like no connections to the industry, interning was the only way for me to get in. So I interned on this independent film called Solitary Man starring Michael Douglas, Susan Sarandon, and Danny DeVito. Wow. And I basically just, yeah, I just did whatever people told me to do. <laughs> you know, I hung up clothes, <laughs> I got coffee, I made copies of receipts, I did petty cash, you know, stuff like that. And um, they had the movie had two costume designers. One uh, was Jenny Gehring, and she went on to do The Americans, and now she's doing The Deuce. And then um, the other costume designer was Ellen Mirajnik, and she just won a CDG award for Maleficent. So I was really fortunate to work with those women like early in my career because they're both amazing designers. Awesome. So how did you get to even wanting to be a costume designer? So you, you grew up here in New York and how's that story start? I actually grew up in the DC area. Um, it, it seems like I grew up in New York because I've been in New York for so long, like on and off for the last 13 years. Um, but I came to New York after college, actually. I grew up in the D.C. area, and I grew up, like, in a very um, strict household, but, like, the one thing that we did was shop, (laughs) shop (laughs) and make clothes, so, and, you know, and my family went to church every Sunday, so, you know, every Sunday you go to church and you put on a show, so um, fashion was always a really important part of my life, (laughs) so I, uh, and I always loved films, like, I remember growing up, I would watch, like, the same films over and over for the costumes. So, um, you know, a lot of like 
especially because we were super Christian, so I had to watch a lot of biblical films. So um, I watched, like, Ben-Hur over and over again, and um, Cleopatra I watched over and over again for the costumes. And these are, like, the old-school Cecil B. DeMille films from, like, the 50s. Um, so I, I used to watch those over and over as a kid. And then my grandmother was huge into thrifting, so I, I thrifted a lot with her. And then I decided to go to college for fashion and, you know, thinking I wanted to work in the fashion industry. And I went to college. I got recruited out of college to work for Macy's and corporate product development. And then I got to New York. I was working this corporate fashion job. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, ma'am. Yeah. Mm-mm. I, I hated it. And, you know, I, um, I started going, I got started getting invited to like fashion week shows and stuff. So. I would like skip work to go to fashion week shows and I like get in trouble. And I'm just like, but we work in the fashion industry. Why aren't we going to fashion shows? Like I just didn't understand that why there was such this disconnect. So I didn't last in that job long. After that, I, um, I left Macy's and I started freelancing. And as I started freelancing and understanding like what kinds of job opportunities were available to me as a freelancer, um, originally I was doing styling, but I didn't, it wasn't quite like a passion for me. Um, so I noticed that things were filming in the city <clears throat> and I would just ask questions, you know, like sometimes I would just roll up on film sets, just like ask people questions. Um, and I remember I would just talk to anybody who would listen about what I wanted to do. And I was like, I wanted to do costume design and work in costumes. Um, I love storytelling and I think that would be a good fit for me, you know, telling stories through clothing and through character. Um, and I didn't have a full understanding of what that meant, but I just knew that's what I was interested in and, and always like loved when I watched TV and film. <clears throat> I never knew it was like an actual job that I could have as like a young black girl, you know, like oh. no one was talking about costume design as a career in right. the DC area. So, um, you know, I just asked until someone gave me an opportunity. Honestly, I was working New York Fashion Week because I used to work backstage New York Fashion Week like every season. Um, like 10 to 12 shows a season and one show I was backstage and one of the girls was actually working with me was like hey do you want to intern on a film and it was the film I just told you about Solitary Man. Wow so you literally just right place right time and opening your mouth to ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah you know I tell everybody like if you want to do something you have to open your mouth and tell people what it is you want to do and ask because you know, more times than not, people are willing to help um, and point you in the right direction. I've had more positive experiences with that than negative by far. Yeah, I think that's really important just to, to let people know, because oftentimes folks are like, I don't even know where to start. I'm like, you just got to ask. And, mm-hmm. if, like, you know, if you ask 10 people, if at least five will at least give you something positive to to to, to towards what you're trying to get to and if the other five don't well then screw them <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so yeah so okay so last time i saw you um we were out we were out in la and that was like a couple years ago now and you've just i've just been so amazed and proud to see how far you've gone in that amount of time why don't you tell some folks what you've been working on the last few years okay great um so in the last three years <clears throat> I um, I costumed a really cool movie that's been playing on Netflix called See You Yesterday. And it's about these two kids 
who um, built a time machine in order to save their brother from um, being killed in, uh, in an act of police brutality. It takes place in Brooklyn, and it was a really dope project for me because it was the first movie I'd actually done in Brooklyn about Brooklyn since Newlyweeds, and Newlyweeds has always had a special place in my heart because I feel like we captured like the the you know mid two thousands really well. Like that movie is very much two thousand twelve Brooklyn, you know. And so it was really cool um, to have another opportunity to do that and to show people what Brooklyn looks like in my eyes um, and in the eyes of the people around me. And so for that project, I ended up using a lot of dope Brooklyn-based designers, um, the Griggs Brothers, Rebels to Don, um, this amazing painter, Malcolm Emilio, painted on all the clothing for me. And I used um, a lot of black designers from around the country, Philadelphia Print Works, Dope Society. I used a lot of their work on the the characters. And I tried my best to get um, as much clothes sponsored from larger brands and spent the bulk of my budget on these smaller black brands. So um, that was the project I did. And that project's actually up for Independent Spirit Award. And it's been tracking really well. It was like the number one movie on Netflix internationally for a couple weeks. Um, oh. So, yeah, it premiered at Tribeca last year. Like it's been it's been tracking really really well. Um, and then after that project came out, another awesome project came out that I did called Raising Dion, and that was a unique project for me because I ended up taking over um, mid season, so you don't really get like the sense of my aesthetic until towards the end of the um the the season so like around like episode six through nine um so you know and that was a challenge it was a really challenging project for me because you know you come in and like what people don't understand about tv is like when the person who like does the pilot as the costume designer the production designer the director like they set the tone for what the show looks like in a lot of ways so there's only so far you can like veer out of um what the thing looks like tonally so you know it was a challenge like marrying like what the previous designer had kind of established and then trying to like push it um forward <clears throat> Because, you know, my aesthetic is very different than theirs and how I view the world and the characters is different. So I tried to add a, add a lot more color um, to really make the characters pop. So, you know, that was one of my things and just, you know, tried to like elevate characters, you know, fashion when I could, when I had the opportunity to, you know, there were several characters in the show that were, you know, scientists and they made good money and things like that. So I just tried to put my stamp on it as much as I could, but it got, um, it, that show also did really really well internationally and was also number one on Netflix for a while and um they just got signed on for season two so got willing you know I'll be on their season two and like can show everyone just like my aesthetic for that full run of the show which would be amazing and I also did a sketch comedy show called Astronomy, Astronomy Club and that was produced by Kenya Barris's camp and that came out on Netflix in December and you know it's gotten really great love I mean that was also really challenging for me because I had to go from contemporary to period and then also like fantasy and sci-fi mm -hmm. and you know you get with with sketch comedies like you get like 30 something scripts and every script has a completely different you know vibe <laughs> it's in a different location 
it's in a different time period. It's about a different topic, you know, so you get stretched creatively really, really fast. And so, you know, we have a Victorian era um, sketch that takes place. We have like a Dungeons and Dragons kind of fantasy sketch, you know, that also takes place. And, you know, we built the majority of these costumes, um, you know, in in house. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. We built a lot of the costumes in house. The only ones we didn't um, we partially built were the Victorian ones. A lot of them, we already we sourced them pre-made because just we didn't have time to build out Victorian costumes. or, And we also did not have, like, the labor. But um, there were elements of those costumes that we did build. So, but everything else, like, we, we built a lot of it. Um, and so, you know, I had an amazing tailor. Her name's Alicia. She's dope. And um, she and I, would, you know, we were in there just busting it down until <laughs> two in the morning some nights. Um, and I just wrapped my first period piece, um, full period piece, because I've done, you know, sketches and I've done shorts that were period in the past, but I've never done a feature that was period. And so I just finished my first period feature. And it's called, right now, it's called The Untitled Fred Hampton Project. And it's about the life and death of Fred Hampton, who was the chairman of the Illinois Black Panther Party, who actually ended up um, being murdered by the FBI and Chicago police. And we know this is true because of Contel Pro. There were some papers that got leaked um, that were F- official FBI documents that basically said they made that happen. <laughs> so it's not a conspiracy. It's true. It's, uh, there's evidence. You can Google it. It's easily Googleable. Yeah. Um, so it's a really dope project because again, the director who did the first my first movie with me, um, he and I teamed up again for this and he wrote it and or co wrote it and um a lot of amazing people are involved. Ryan Kugler produced it, um, Charles King's company, Macro it, it also is a producer and Warner Brothers is a studio as well. And so that is scheduled to be released in August. And it was amazing because it's all period. So it set, takes place in 68 and 69, which are my, which is my favorite time period for clothing. I think um, men and women just look so beautiful, especially like our people, black people just dress so nice during that yeah, era. It is. And era is my, my, when I look at stuff my mom, my mom and dad were wearing and my aunts and uncles in that period, it, it is like the style, the tailoring, the color is, it's my all-time favorite. Yeah, mine too. I mean, it was so much fun doing the research, you know, pulling the clothes, you know, shop, I mean, we shopped and bought, I think, every 60s, late 60s, early 70s, because, you know, some pieces from the early 70s, you can kind of filter in when you're doing the late sixties, because there are going to be a couple people who are a little bit more fashion forward, you know? So I think we bought like every late sixties, early seventies piece in <laughs> the state of Ohio, <laughs> like legitimately. Cause you know, we had like 117 principal actors and then like over a thousand background actors and everyone has to be dressed head to toe. Of course. Yeah. So we needed a lot of clothes. We had a giant workshop racks and racks and racks of clothes um so yeah so that project comes out in august i'm really excited about it there's some amazing talent dan kaluuya plays fred and lakeith stanfield plays o'neill and o'neill you can actually look this 
part of the story up, O'Neill was um, the informant that allegedly led to Fred's demise by betraying him. And he's actually featured in the Eyes on the Prize um, documentary, which came out in the late 80s. So if you Google William O'Neill, Eyes on the Prize, you can watch footage of him talking about infiltrating the Panthers. It's so wild. And the FBI paying him. (laughs) It's the craziest thing. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So that's what I've been up to. (laughs) So usually when you haven't been busy at all. uh, Oh, my God. It's been a whirlwind, but it's been great. We won't be, there'll be an Oscar or two that could be coming your way very soon in, in 2021. You know, one of those things that we're going to put out in the universe. Uh, that would be, be cool. Because uh, your outfit for the red carpets would be amazing. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but it would be awesome. Like, so when you work on the show, like, what's that process like? So do you sort of come in with like sketches in mind or like, do you read the script ahead of time? Like, I know you've jumped into some stuff where you've been like sort of mid season. Like how do you find your inspiration and then be able to craft a story through clothing? So, um, you know, you find your inspiration through your imagination, to be honest, you read a script and the script has clues about what a character is like, you know, by there's like usually some descriptive words in the script but you know for the most part you have to use your imagination um a lot of writers are really great about writing out um profiles about the specific characters or the main characters to give you more insight into like the type of person they are the things they like the music they like you know um places they've been their their career but you don't always get that so a lot of it is just using your imagination reading the script and just kind of picking up on what the essence of that character based off of like how they talk things they say how they move through the world and and, and move through that world in the scripts and also um just having really creative and collaborative meetings you know with your showrunner if you're on a television show or on a movie you know your writer and director um or you know if your direct if your movie is not a movie that is a writer director movie and it's a separate writer and separate director usually meeting with just the director and you know the producers and um production designer but yeah like the creative process is very collaborative in costume design you know i come up with my my you know initial ideas and my initial pitch and i put together mood boards and sketches and you know sometimes you know fabrics you know um ahead of time but a lot of times you know, you really get down to the nitty gritty after that initial pitch. You know, you get feedback from the showrunner, the director, you know, et cetera. You talk to the production designer about color and like what the environment is going to look like that these characters are existing in and living in. And you take all that data and you basically, you know, come up with another version of that pitch after you get all that data. And that next version, a lot of times, does involve a lot more sketches. Um, it does involve now procuring actual items. It, it involves now designing items. And then you show, you know, the items and you walk through the clothing, the garments, the sketches, the fabrics with the director, with the showrunner, with the, you know, the creatives. And you go through it together and you get more feedback. <laughs> and um and then from there 
you start having fittings with your actors. And then you get a sense of what everything starts to look like on an actual person. Because, you know, on the page in a sketch, you know, it looks one way, but then sometimes you get it on the person, you're like, well, actually, I need to, you know, alter this this shirt this way, or these pants need to be shortened this way, or, you know, you might change the silhouette, you might decide that you want to change the color. So, you know, then you go through that process, you know, the fitting process, and you're fitting every single person that's seen on camera and sometimes like in the case of the movie I just finished sometimes your one character will have like 45 looks 45 different outfit changes oh my gosh so you know yeah (laughs) um I, I forgot what movie it was I was reading it was a movie recently that came out and one of their act their characters had like 100 and I was like oh my god I just had so much empathy for that costume designer because a <laughs> hundred, you know, um, yeah, it it gets to, it can get to be overwhelming. So you have to have like a really strong team to help you, you know, be stay organized and to help you execute and to help you, you know, procure what you need. So I have someone out shopping for fabric. I have someone out, you know, pulling vintage clothes in the case of this movie. So I have like multiple people, you know, working and running around (laughs) finding things for me and I'm so grateful that people will do that you know because I I remember at one point when I didn't have people to help me run around procuring things I was doing it all so I'm just really grateful that I have like a really dope team of people to help me source fabrics source clothing you know I have someone to you know I I hire illustrators now to help illustrate because you just you're under these time constraints sometimes where you can't sit and draw as the costume designer because you have so much going on so you know it's very much a team sport um you know I am the costume designer I am the conceptual and creative head of the costume department but I couldn't do things at a large scale without a team like it's just not it doesn't happen so I think um you know, it's just really important to acknowledge all the different positions in the department and the um, and the the efforts and the part that they play in getting the the whole thing done. It's it's amazing. It really is how many people it takes to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, there's a whole ass people back here. <laughs> it's it's like fifteen to twenty people. <laughs> you know, it's it's a it's a big department. You know, um, and it can be even bigger, you know, depending on the size and scale of your show. I mean, I can only imagine how big the game of the front, the Game of Thrones wardrobe department was. Oh my I god! Mean, <laughs> yeah, eleven <laughs> million people on that show at any given time. Yeah, exactly. So it takes a real solid crew of people, and I'm really grateful that people want to work with me and you know enjoy working with me and enjoy you know, making art as much as I do and telling stories as much as I do. It's awesome. And you just do a phenomenal job. And as I said, it's just been a joy to watch you just shine brighter and brighter and brighter. What would you tell 25-year-old Charlies? Oh, man. It's so amazing you asked me this question because I literally just had a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday who is in her 20s about this exact thing. And I told her um, I would be even bolder and take more risks 
and also just go with the flow even more. Like I think a lot of times I was so focused on achieving in my career that I missed out on a lot of things. I like, I missed out on life in a way. And I was telling her, you know, I, I, I've had some really amazing times in my life and I was so focused on like what's next that I didn't fully enjoy that moment of time, you know? And like, I had my twenties were really fun. I was doing a lot and I was achieving a lot and I was also not fully present while I was doing it. And I really think like not, you know, I'm in my mid thirties now and I regret, I regret it. You know, I regret not being more present and just like being proud of myself and enjoying like the fruits of my labor a little bit more instead of just being like, Oh, it's not enough. I got to do more, you know? Um, And I'm just trying my best in my mid thirties to adopt more of the presence, you know, being present and enjoying the moment and being proud of my accomplishments and not always looking like to the next thing, like what's next, what's bigger and better, you know, cause you're just never, you're just never satisfied, you know? And um, I think I looked up one day and I was like, yo, I've done all this stuff but what does it all mean? <laughs> you know, because right. I wasn't being present right. and enjoying the moment. And I've just been really working on that. Cause it's like, it's great. The drive that I have and all that is amazing. And that's why I've been able to accomplish so much in, you know, a short amount of time, but then what, you know, you have all these accomplishments, but are you enjoying your life? Well, are you actually living? And I think that's, are you living? That's, that's one of the hardest parts about this. That like, you know, you know, we, we're sort of built to be go, 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 make this success, make this money, get the accolades. And we don't have this moment to be like, take a step back and be like, damn, did you see what I just did? Like, and like, take that in for a little bit and, you know, absorb that and feel good in that because that's what's going to refuel you to keep doing more as opposed to like, okay, I just did this awesome thing. I got this other awesome thing right now, five minutes later. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's hard because I know, especially as black women, you know, we, we sometimes think that we're never going to get another chance. So if we don't like jump on the next thing that we're going to like, it's, it's never going to happen again. And we forget that like, no, we're dumb as shit. <laughs> like more good shit's coming our way. Yeah. I mean, cause that's a complete lie, you know, and that's like a scarcity mindset and it's not our fault that we were brought up in that. It's just cultural um, and it's, you know, unfortunately due to where a lot of our people are economically, we're brought up in like a scarcity mindset and, you know, and that's why you end up where you're talking about and I'm talking about where you're just like, I, 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 I gotta keep doing it or it's going to go away. And then it's like, no, <laughs> no, you're doing it. doing it. You're doing it. And that's enough. Um, and you're doing it well, actually. And you should be proud of yourself and you shouldn't be so hard on yourself. You know, like I like the perfectionism thing I'm still working through, you know, and I think like as an artist, being a perfectionist is not ideal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The nature of art, (laughs) you know, like you got to let it go. You got to just do the thing and let the thing go out in the world and let people interact with the thing and stop trying to like hoard it and get it perfect, you know? So it's a balance for sure, for sure. 
it's it's it, and it's 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 a never-ending balance because like you you think oh everything's awesome great and then you're like oh wait but I think if you sort of try and shift a little bit more and and go from having a scarcity mindset to having this abundant mindset that like all of this abundance is because of course I'm gonna get this like this is where it's it's coming from um, and you know more and more and more and you know we can stretch further and go and, and go bigger and deeper um, because we deserve it. And we work hard for it, so that's so important to to keep in mind as we as we elevate and go up into the next levels of the things that we do. So, Absolutely. What are you working on next? I'm actually on a little break. Um, <laughs> I've been interviewing for yeah, I know because <laughs> proving I'm our like, point. I'm like, this is cool, <laughs> and it feels I'm good, like, right? Nice. Yeah, um, you know, I I saved up a bunch of money, um, you know, on my last project because I um, I moved out of my apartment in LA because I've been traveling so much over the last couple of years. So I was like, well, if I get another travel job, I'm gonna move out of my apartment, and I did. And so you know, I was making the money that I make, not paying any bills really. So I saved a bunch of money. So I'm in a place where I can kind of chill for a little bit and pick and choose and be more picky about like the kinds of stuff that I want to do and not feel like, oh, I have to work, you know, because when you get into this rhythm of like, um, you know, as a freelancer, as a person that works in film and television um, of like, oh, my God, I have to work you start taking projects that you don't really love or you're not that interested in just for the money. And for me, that's not good as a artist and as a costume designer, it's not good. <laughs> um, you know, I'm trying to make sure that the projects that I work on are stories that I'm passionate about and, um, and, you know, and creatively are pushing me. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking a break and I've been just like, you know, I've moved to New York, so I've been getting settled in New York and reconnecting with, with friends and spending time with family, like doing a lot of stuff that I haven't been able to do the last couple of years because I've been so insanely busy. Um, you know, working on a couple of, um, like I have a show idea that I'm working on. Um, I'm writing a book actually about, um, yeah, about how to basically do what I did, which is get into this industry with like zero contacts <laughs> um so i'm writing a how-to book on how to break into the costume industry and um and then also teaching people once they break in how to succeed so how to be a really good assistant and then what all the positions in the department are and you know just like really valuable tools and tricks of the trade and stuff like that so i'm working on that awesome. as well yeah, and then I also um, I started the Black Designer Database, so I'm trying to get that off the ground and make it into a social community, hopefully by 2021. Um, <clears throat> and all you know, and and also um, I would like there to be an element of commerce to it. So I'm working on just pushing that. And for Black History Month, I've been you know um, doing some giveaways of various Black designers items that they've amazing to gift to me and trying to highlight black designers this black history month um what else am i working on just working on a bunch of projects (laughs) and just enjoying time off yeah and just nesting you know like just yeah 
so you know i like i said season two of raising dion is probably what's next i'm not i'm not sure what's gonna happen yet i mean i know they want me back but you never know how things go so um yeah i mean that would be the the one thing that i definitely would say will be up next is that's in april it would start in april um and i think the show would premiere towards the end of the year again no next year it would premiere the following year so 2021 because wow. um, they have to do all these edits for special effects because there's so many special effects so it takes a while to do all those edits and stuff um all that post so yeah i mean i'm just really just enjoying just chilling and getting ideas and being creative and connecting with like like-minded people um you know i've been mentoring people i I started a program in cleveland um a sewing program at the boys and girls club where i donated with you know amazing you know generous gifts from people you know um, in my community um, my friends my family and also people on the set that I was working on donated money so I raised like $1,500 and I bought 10 sewing machines and 10 sewing kits and we had fabric donations and more machine donations locally and so that's something that I'm also trying to um, replicate as a model every city that I travel to for work I'm trying to do that and they're talking about expanding it to a nationwide program so just working with them on that and yeah just like yeah just trying to just be a really good person <laughs> like <laughs> like that's it just make art be a good person no oh, you're where I'm at. you're an amazing person yeah and I saw I I think I was traveling when you had the the the, the thing you're doing with the, the sewing machines but I was like oh my gosh that's so brilliant and wonderful because my mom is a dressmaker and learning how to sew mm. I suck at but I know what how that can open up so many different places for people so it's so incredible that you're that you're doing it um and those kids will will love you forever and it'll make an incredible impact so yeah it's amazing yeah it's a, it's a really really beautiful thing that you've done so I know that you're chilling but what do you do for your self-care now? Because like you are on a bit of a break, you're, you're kind of getting a refuel of great new projects. What's the thing that you're sort of doing to, um, just for you? Like spa days, you know, reading books, like what's that thing for you? Um, so my self-care routine, it varies. Um, right now, I've just been trying to focus on making sure I'm cooking. <laughs> like as a self-care routine because you know when you work as much as I do you don't get to cook as much as you want you know some days I'm working like 12 to 16 hour days because you know production days are long so I'm just like yo like let me cook I'm home let me cook for myself and that's just such a loving thing that you can do for yourself that I don't feel like enough of us do because of our schedules so yeah I've been cooking I've been just like making sure I'm beautiful as a, an, another self-care routine that I try to keep up, like making sure my hair and nails are done. Um, you know, whether I get them done or I do them myself. Um, <clears throat> I love the spa. The spa is definitely my place. I've spent a lot of money on all kinds of facials and treatments. And like, you know, it's to the point where I tell most people 
that I love. Like, if you want to get me a gift, just get me like a spa package because that's like I'll be there. <laughs> like that's the perfect <laughs> gift for me. I love the spa. I know. Um, I've also yeah. I've been trying to like yeah. You know, you've been. <laughs> it was awesome. It's so fun. Um, I've also been trying to get back on my exercise tip. Um, roller skating is like one of like my favorite things to do because it makes me, it's like an inner child thing it feeds and it's a great workout. So I started roller skating again, me and um, my friend MJ, who you know, we um, we went roller skating the other day and we're like, let's do this. Like, and she's like excited. Like I am like, let's do this all the time. So starting to roller skate again and getting back into Pilates. Like I have time off. It's great. <laughs> So I have lots of time for self-care. <laughs> awesome. Dude, I haven't roller skated in like a gazillion years. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's like you just instantly feel joyous like a child. That's and true. that's why I like it. Yeah, it. it's great. It is sort of the most important thing. So mm-hmm. um, but last, last question. So as part of my sort of 29 Days of Magic, um, I want to sort of now have the, my guests talk about like a give or an ask or both. So is there something that you'd like to ask for or is there something you'd like to give um, so people can like uh, hear what's, what's coming on the pipe for you? Sorry. <laughs> what do I want to give or ask? Yeah. I'm so sorry, I missed that part. Um, Like advice wise? Oh, it can be advice wise. It could be, um, like my give is if someone wants to know about costume design, here's some resources. Or my ask is anyone's got any connections with more girls and boys clubs, stuff like that. Got it. Okay, that's what I thought. Sorry, I was being a little slow. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, my give. So I'm about to start giving away free advice. Uh, on my Instagram, yes, um, free costume career advice. Um, I'm going to start doing some videos really soon, just quick videos, and I'm asking that people send me questions that they want me to answer. I'm going to do a post really soon about this. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, hopefully when this podcast is released, the post will be up. So, yeah, I just would ask it's like I ask and a give. So mm-hmm. I ask that people follow me on Instagram at Charlize Antoinette and I will give you free advice. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's a twofer. <laughs> um is it just on costume design or is it dating and dating and um living in New York shopping? Because <laughs> if you ask, if you say you have free advice, you know what you'll you'll do. <laughs> You know, dating in New York has been going pretty good so far. <laughs> okay, so oh I need to ask you, what are your tips? <laughs> um, you know, I think it's just I've been lucky to find, like, really good guys that have similar interests to me recently. And, and, um... And oftentimes it's it's really through work. That's where I find some really amazing guys to like hang out with and kick it with. It's not on the apps. So I would say free dating advice. 
focus on professional settings. <laughs> you know, going to like professional events, go to um and even volunteering. Like volunteering, like volunteer do volunteer work. Like you meet because you know, you want to be in a place where you're gonna meet people who have good hearts and have similar interests to you. So I would say like anything that involves volunteering with people from your industry. <laughs> That's oh. a good place. That is a good tip. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll take so free dating advice. See, listen. All right, so everyone's gonna follow you on Instagram. Um, we'll time this post so it goes up when you uh, when you officially launch the the Astrology section on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I I think I'll. It's gonna be a Monday thing, Monday of next week. Ah. So. Because Mondays are usually a good day to like get people get people interested in a new idea. Everybody's back at work, doing their thing. Weekends over. Like the weekends are terrible to launch things on Instagram for me. Yes. Like no one, you know, no one's online. They're like out in the world doing their thing. But Mondays, I think Monday lunchtime, that'll be a good time. Exactly. Sounds a good plan. Well, Charlize, it's been such a delight to have you on the show. Um, like I said, it's just been a joy to watch your success and and how you're giving back is is so very incredible. So thank you so very much. Thank you. I'm so glad you're um, using your platform to feature and amplify Black women for 29 days. I think that's really dope. It's really dope and really important. Thank you. Awesome. And uh, we'll put all the information about what Charlize is up to, how you can ask her stuff on Instagram, and, and some of the shows that she's worked on, so you can check those out and see some of her work. Uh, and that is our show. <laughs>